Welcome to Howden's new podcast, Fortune Favours the Brave. We all take risks in our everyday life and business is no different. In this podcast, we're speaking to the experts about a topical challenge or issue and what business leaders can do to overcome it. Welcome back to episode two of Building Safety Legislation Changes and What These Mean for Construction Professionals in Scotland. Hello again, Andrew. In our previous podcast, we discussed the most important changes that the Building Safety Act will bring about for Scotland. In this podcast, we shall go on to talk about how the Act amends the Prescription Scotland Act by extending limitation periods for liability. Would you like to talk about that? Thank you, Vivian. Thanks for having me back. Um, As we touched upon before, the Building Safety Act 2022 seeks to obviously extend the time period um, for which claims can be raised, but only in relation to defective construction products. Things may get a bit complicated, but um, you should probably know there's two prescription acts effectively still in place. The main prescription act in Scotland is the Prescription and Limitation Scotland Act 1973. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about the 2018 Act and some of the changes that that's already brought in um, amending the 1973 Act. But... Just for um, the listeners' benefits, the Building Safety Act 2022 is only amending the Prescription Limitation Scotland Act in relation to claims for construction products. And as we touched upon at the first episode, the time period to bring a claim for defective construction product is now 15 years, but that is doubled to 30 years where the claim relates to a cladding product. I think the important thing um, to touch upon, Vivian, is that everyone is aware that this act is retrospective. So you may have an example where an architect has been involved in a project which concluded in 2000, and as a result, something has gone wrong with the cladding. Effectively, the 30-year period will start from 2000, and therefore you'll have until 2030, or the claimant will have until 2030. So again, it it just opens up much wider, stricter obligations um, as as a result. And a very extensive time limit has now been given. But again, um, I think we touched upon that this has been a response clearly to what happened at Grenfell, particularly with cladding. And I think, as many people know, there are various buildings and, and blocks of flats out there that still have the same cladding. And this is a huge project to undertake and will take many years to, to, to get everything rectified. So I can kind of see why the response has been to, to put such a significant time period there. But again, it's not great for those construction professionals that may have thought those projects were completely at an end in relation to what prescription is. And this has obviously changed that significantly. Absolutely, Andrew. It will have a significant impact on those um, operating in the, the construction sector. A concern that I have immediately is we've seen in the past that lack of evidence equals lack of defensibility when it comes to a PI claim. So there's potential here for claims that are being brought from the furthest possible date, so up to 30 years. 30 years, yep. Is it even realistic that any of these construction professions would have the requisite detail to defend their position in the event that a claim has now been brought 30 years later. Yep, you're spot on, Vivian. And it's one of the things as a defence lawyer um, I look at immediately is where's the project file? What documentation do we have to defend it? But equally as well, I mean, for most professionals, um, probably 
maybe 10 years after projects finish, you would dispose of your file. I mean, we're probably lucky nowadays that we know we do have electronic files and things can be stored electronically. But again, not only did that might be a difficulty for defenders, but equally a difficulty for a claimant to bring a case where the documentation is no longer available um, because it's been so long. Um, I mean, I've had cases before that went back to the late 90s and we couldn't find things like certificates and things like that. So you're completely right. Um, and they, that will bring its challenges, but both equally for the claimant, but also for the, the professional. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose it's encouraging yes. that it's both. Yeah, sides, definitely. Yeah. And then, obviously, the, the lim- limitation, this was a question I was going to ask you later, but I may as well ask you now. Limitation periods in contracts are generally 12 years post-completion. Mm-hmm. Well, that's certainly what I've seen in Scotland. How is this affected? It, well, primary legislation will always take precedent. Um, so in terms of... The 12-year period, which will be in contracts, can relate to latent defects. But what we'll now have is the 15, 30 years will will supersede that in contracts. Um, Separately, the five-year period still remains, which I'll come on to talk about um, with you. Um, Obviously, the 15 and 30-year periods relate solely to construction products and cladding. But we still have potential um, claims that can arise for lack of supervision, um, inspection duties for architects or issues with the design of a project. If there's anything which they could say has been a breach or negligence, the five-year period will still relate to that under the prescription um, Scotland Act 2018. The difficulty what we have now, um, Vivian, that I'll come on to talk about is it was very defender-friendly for a while, which was great news for construction professionals, but the new 2018 Act is switching that back around. Um, but I'll come on to talk a wee bit more about that. Okay, well, you can come on to <laughs> now. I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, 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 not at all. Um, um, well, I think um, if it, it might be helpful. Um, we've obviously touched upon and um, can put to one side the change he's been brought around by the Building Safety Act. Um, but as many of you will now know, um, there is a new Prescription Scotland Act um, which received Royal Assent back in 2018, but many of its provisions are not yet in force. Um, There are two important provisions that I'll come on to talk about, but still a lot of the um, provisions under the 1973 Act continue. So I think it was helpful maybe to just let people know where we were with prescription before, as I said, before the Supreme Court came in and decided to change everything up from what we did know. So effectively, as I've spoke about, under the 1973 Act, um, an obligation to make reparation is extinguished where it's subsisted for a continuous period of five years after the appropriate date where someone has suffered loss. Back many years ago, we had understood that a claimant had to establish when they had suffered loss and that they were aware that the loss suffered by them was caused by negligence. Along came a case called David Morrison against ICL Plastics, um, which many people will be aware was the ICL factory explosion which occurred in Glasgow in May 2004. In that specific case, um, it wasn't um, discovered until later that the damage was caused actually by the factory's negligence and Mr Morrison had lost his shop as a result of the explosion. ICL submitted in that case that the case had prescribed In response, Mr Morrison sought to argue that actually he was not aware of the the claim having prescribed um, under what is known as a Section 11.3 point. 
Um, he had argued that he was not aware that the damage was caused to its premises as a result of ICL's negligence. The Supreme Court in this case rejected that argument and held that awareness of loss is all that is needed to start the prescriptive clock ticking. So there's no requirement now or was decided by the Supreme Court for the party suffering that loss to be aware of its cause. Various cases um, arose as a result of that Supreme Court judgment, including Gordon's trustees against Campbell, Riddle, Breeze, Patterson. It's a solicitor's negligence case, so I'm certainly not going to bore anyone with the detail <laughs> of it. But three important points came as a result of that case um, in relation to the understanding of how prescription operates in Scotland. The first point the Supreme Court held was it does not postpone the start of the prescriptive period until such time as a claimant is actually or constructively aware that he has suffered detriment in the sense that something has gone awry or made him poor or disadvantaged. Loss, injury or damage means fiscal damage or financial loss as an objective fact. And knowledge of the incurring expenditure could amount to awareness of loss for the purposes, as I say, of Section 11.3. So, Vivian, Section 11.3 I've touched upon the whole purpose of Section 11.3 was to be used by claimants to postpone the start of the prescriptive clock. So they could say, well, we didn't actually know something had gone wrong until two or three years later from mm -hmm. when it actually occurred. But what the Supreme Court said was, no, that's not it. And actually, the clock starts a lot sooner. And the last point I mentioned to you there, the incurring of expenditure, we talk about wasted expenditure being incurred. So if you've paid an architect to carry out a design for a project and it comes years later down the line, there is some defectiveness in the, in, in, in the building and you realise that the architect's design was negligent you would usually argue, well, I didn't know until the leak started in the roof or until the wall collapsed, so therefore, how did I know I'd suffered any loss? Well, the Supreme Court's view is, no, when you actually paid your architect for that design, you incurred wasted expenditure, and therefore, the time starts to tick then when that fee was paid. This was great news, as you can imagine, for myself as a defender agent, defending um, architects and engineers in these type of claims. And if I can, I actually was involved in, um, which is now quite a well-known case in relation to law prescription. The case is WPH Developments Limited against Young and Galt LLP, um, in a case which we took to the inner house on appeal and were subsequently successful. So I was acting on behalf of Young and Galt. For a bit of background for the listeners, in October 2012, um, the claimants, WPH, who were residential property developers, instructed Young and Galt to provide architectural services in respect of a development housing site. This was to include the plotting of the precise location of its boundaries. In 2013, Young and Galt provided WPH with construction drawings which allegedly incorrectly identified the legal boundaries of the housing plot. WPA subsequently developed the plot on the basis of the drawings and therefore brought an action for damages against Young and Galt in November 2018. We decided to argue that the claim had prescribed by virtue of the 1973 Act and the recent precedent handed down by Supreme Court. Unfortunately, we were unsuccessful at the first hearing, but we appealed that decision to the inner house at the court of session. And I'm glad to say it was upheld that the case had prescribed and the case against the architect was chucked out of court. Mm -hmm. So for so long, as I say, Vivian, sorry to be long-winded, but it was very good. It was very good for defenders in terms of the Supreme Court doctrine, um, in terms of prescription. 
No, I mean, there's a lot to it and it's very useful to have examples like those. So thank you. Thank you. The new act that we're here to talk about today is, of course, the Prescription Scotland Act 2018. As I said, we received Royal Assent back in December 2018 and four years later, um, there's only two provisions that have actually come into force. It is a very complex area of Vivian um, prescription and I think it's understandable that even four years down the line we don't have a new act. Um, it is a complex area with various different issues arising. So I'm not particularly surprised that we're no further forward with the new act. But today I wanted to um, alert your listeners to two new sections which will probably have an impact on potential negligence claims if brought against construction professionals. The 1st of June this year was a very important date because the 2018 Act brought around a new knowledge test, which I'll talk to you about, and also a new section which allows standstill agreements. And I'll talk to you a wee bit about what that means. All of the other provisions, as I've said, of the 2018 Act is likely to come into force on the 20th of February 2025. So we're still years mm -hmm. away from when everything is finally in force. So the 2018 Act will make a number of changes to the rules of negative prescription, the five-year rule which I spoke about. And it addresses, I think, certain issues which have caused difficulty in practice following the Supreme Court judgment. Of course, I'm biased. I didn't think there was any difficulty because as a defence agent, it was great. Um, and we had a, a lot of good prescription arguments we could put forward for architects and engineers facing these types of claims, which are always difficult. So it's clear, as I've said there, there was a significant shift in the law prescription following the Supreme Court judgments. And I think what the 2018 Act seeks to do now is address those and seek probably to put it back onto the side of the pursuer and the pursuer being at an advantage to pursue claims and not having them prescribed. I mean, it really will remain to be seen how it operates after 2025 or even after now in June because I think we'll see more litigation still on prescription people testing these new provisions. The first provisions that have changed, um, Vivian, is what we call the knowledge test or postponement test. Um, and as before, the Supreme Court held that a claimant only had to establish they had suffered loss or damage. And I gave you the example of as soon as incurring expenditure for fees is loss. Um, the 2018 Act now says that the pursuer has to, one, Satisfied that he has suffered loss, injury or damage. Two, that the loss, injury or damage was caused by a person's act or omission. And thirdly, this is the new part of the test, the identity of that person. Now, that was never even included in the 1973 Act. So immediately, I think you'll, you'll start to guess this is going to prolong the period that pursuer has to bring an action. If he has mm -hmm. to then satisfy the identity of a person that's caused his loss, um, it's only going to add time. Another important factor, um, it doesn't matter anymore whether or not the claimant is aware that the act or the omission caused the loss or injury is actionable in law. So that is no longer needed. So this is the most obvious change from the 1973 Act. Um, I mean, they, to identify the person, the wrongdoer, will only delay matters, I believe, more. Let's take, for example, a huge construction project, um, and it's more relevant, no doubt, to your listeners today. And such a huge project, um, you'll have an architect, you'll have an engineer, a contractor, you'll have various sub-designers, potentially, mm -hmm. subcontractors. And in a huge project like that, if something goes wrong, we see it time and time again, you don't know, is that falling at the door of the architect? 
Is it something that the engineer didn't design? Is it a workmanship issue by the contractor? So if you take that example itself, a pursuer that's had a huge project built could take years before getting expert input to establish exactly who in the project team mm. or which subcontractor is actually liable for that damage. Yeah. So if anything, it's a significant change and undoubtedly this will lead to a later date for the start of the five-year period and that clock starting to run. As I say, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the courts. I am particularly not going to roll over and I think and there'll be different challenges to take um, and what's reasonable and what's appropriate in terms of investigating who the identity of that person is, particularly, I think, in construction projects. The other thing I think for your listeners that's important um, is we spoke earlier about whether or not the Building Safety Act and the changes brought around by that in prescription, whether or not they were retrospective, and they are retrospective. So what is the importance of the date of the 1st of June 2022? Well, that date is still very important when these new provisions came into force. So in general terms, if a claim prescribes on or before the 31st of May, 2022, due to the existing knowledge test under the 1973 Act, then the change makes no difference. The right to pursue that claim is still lost. However, if the claim is due to time bar on the 1st of June 2022 or after, it will now benefit from the new provision under the 2018 Act. So this is a very significant point, I think, to note, particularly for me as a solicitor, given that additional time may be added now to claims that we're currently seeing coming through and we're dealing with. Just to finish up on the new Act, um, Vivian, the other important change that came across in, on the 1st of June was um, Section 13, which now allows standstill agreements. And I'm sure some of the professionals you work with have maybe entered into them south of the border. Um, unlike our peers um, down here in, in England and Wales, standstill agreements have not been allowed in Scotland um, under Section 13 of the old 1973 Act. This has all changed. As of the 1st of June, standstill agreements will be enforceable in Scottish courts. However, there are some conditions um, which will attach to these agreements. Um, they can only be entered into in these certain conditions. One, after the prescriptive period has commenced and before it expires. The agreements can only be for a maximum of one year and the agreements can only be entered into once for the same obligation. I think, to be honest, Vivian, the introduction of standstill agreements will be welcomed by many throughout the sector um, as it will allow parties extra time to try and negotiate resolutions to their disputes without people immediately running to court. Um, and I think even though the recent Supreme Court decisions on prescription were beneficial to defenders taking a prescription defence, what we did see was a huge increase in litigation because people were panicked that they would be time barred. So we saw a lot more court actions being raised than what we would usually see. So the standstill agreement provision may help that and that you know architects are not immediately going to be faced with huge claims or straight into court. It might give people a bit more time to try and resolve matters. So that may be a positive yes. from a PI insurer's perspective. Definitely. Least. From yeah. a PI perspective, it definitely will be um, because you know we're dealing with a claims-made basis in these policies. So if we yeah. can get that bit more time for parties to just try and talk, negotiate, then we might see that litigation will start to decrease or the number of claims 
might even go down if we can try and get a resolution. So, so it's I not all doom and gloom then? It's never all doom and gloom. <laughs> not with me, Vivian, no. I always end in a positive. <laughs> so um, I think just to comment for your listeners, um, the 2018 Act, um, it will remain to be seen how it plays out in practice. It remains a complex area of law. Um, and my advice is if you're faced with any claim um, as a professional, seek advice early on. Speak to your broker. Um, speak to a lawyer because there may still be prescription defences available there because the law is is changing, um, but there there's still arguments available there. But yes, certainly, as we say, Vivian, we want to end on a high, not all doom and gloom here. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that, Andrew. I mean, there, there's quite a lot to unpick there. Um, we could have a few podcasts itself from prescription. Well, yeah, I'm sure I, I didn't realise there was so much to it until today. <laughs> But thank you very much for taking the time to come in today and speak to us about it. I'm sure everyone listening will have found your views very insightful. If listeners have any questions on the matters discussed today, we will leave Andrew's contact details in the description of this podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fortune Favours the Brave from Howden. To hear more episodes and subscribe to our channel, search Fortune Favours the Brave on your favourite podcast app.